0: Nervous. guys welcome on into yes another episode of fantasy intervention there i am freezing again hope you guys can still hear me all right can you all hear me <laughs> we
1: can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you.
0: all right sounds good that works for me i'm just trying to share all this stuff off and my computer is definitely not handling this well so it is what it is guys welcome on into fantasy intervention we have yet another episode coming at you guys this one's called by the numbers or whatever we decided to call it <laughs> anyways um, you know this is an analytics based episode as to where We wanted to create an episode for you guys that enjoy the numbers, that want to see it broken down to a T. And so I got together two of my favorite people when it comes to breaking down numbers as a whole, when it comes to Juan and Dave. We started to start this up. So welcome on in, guys. Go ahead, Juan, real quick. Let them know where they can find you at, you know, what you do
1: uh yeah i'm juan carlos pena and you can find me at ff one of a kind i do work with at join our circle underscore love that team over there big shout out to the entire team there's a wealth of knowledge there and then i do some pods i'm a co-host with t uh at tir underscore pod with chef james crease and uh yeah break down the numbers this is my favorite day of the week
0: dave what's up man how you doing like your mustache
2: it's, it's impressive
1: thank you very much thank you very much
2: um yeah you my, I, I am uh dave you, uh, you can find me at dkluge90 that's d-k-l-u-g-e 90 you could also find me on fantasy Pros, working the news correspondence desk you can find me at the pregame hq where i'm writing long form articles and just like uh, Juan said here you know thursdays you can find me on this show this is my favorite time of the week i love doing the show with you guys that's amazing i love it love it and of course good time of course
0: you guys, we launched this website, right? It's called fantasyintervention.com, fantasyintervention.com. We got our website up and pumping, Get ready for it, guys. Go check it out. You guys can find all of our articles on there, you know, all of our, our videos, our podcasts, you know, anything along those lines. So make sure you guys go check out fantasyintervention.com. But we're not here to talk about these, promoting, these promotions and whatnot. We're here to talk about football. And we saw something, you know, somewhat impressive on, on Tuesday night over there. You know, Lamar Jackson looked like he was, you know, back in 2019 form to an extent. He sat over there and he rushed for 94 yards and a touchdown. He threw for another two touchdowns. I mean, it was up against Cowboys, but is Lamar back to that 2019 form? What are y'all feeling on this? What do the numbers tell you?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think so. We've talked about Lamar Jackson a few times on this show. And uh, what I've been saying is that I'm holding him for his playoff schedule. I've been saying that all season. And there's, uh, you know, we got a little bit of hope now after seeing it last week. Uh, We saw some flashes of that MVP Lamar, like you said. And uh, now he's got a Cleveland defense this week that is giving up the seventh most points to quarterbacks. And then he's got a Jacksonville defense that's giving up the third most points. Uh, Those are both at the helm over the next two weeks. So there's no reason to expect him to cool down. His Week 16 matchup against the Giants could be a little bit tough as they've been shutting down the run and they're allowing the fifth-fewest points to quarterbacks this season, but I'm hoping that these next few weeks uh, can help him some, regain some confidence and he can get back to that matchup-proof, dual-threat level of a player that we saw him last year. Uh, either way, he threw for 275 yards and three touchdowns and ran seven attempts in 45 yards, uh, the first time that he played, faced off against Cleveland this year. So I think that there's no reason that we shouldn't expect that yet again.
1: Juan, how are you feeling about this? Are you in the same page? Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree with Dave. And I've been on this boat, too, that you wanted to hold them for now. And Lamar's a streaky player, like he's sneaky, um, streaky. And last year and this year, the only big difference is the touchdowns. Through 11 games played last year and this year, last year, he had 24 touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. Now, this year, the touchdowns are down and they're down to 17 passing and four scores on the ground. But he can put a streak together based on the schedule that Dave mentioned and the fact that he was streaky last year. In weeks one through four last year, he had 12 total touchdowns. In nine through 12, that number hit 16. And he finished out the season with 13 touchdowns in his last four games. So these last four games coming up are must-wins for his team. And he's going to have to go back to running the ball and leading that team to victory in order to make the playoffs this year. So I expect a little bit of a streak coming up right here.
0: But it's the Cowboys, right? It's the Cowboys. The Cowboys can't stop anybody. And, I mean, that's pretty much what we're looking at again this week. They've got the Cincinnati Bengals, but Joe Mixon, wherever he is, I'm pretty sure that Steffi's convinced that he was not born with a foot. I'm, I'm not even kidding you guys. She is, like, convinced 100% that he doesn't actually have a foot anymore. Anyways, with, with the Bengals, it's something as to where they're going to be running out Giovanni Bernard. You also are seeing a little bit of Pirine over there, Samadji Pirine. So is this something as to where you can feel comfortable running out Giovanni Bernard, you know, against the Cowboys this week?
1: Yeah, Chase. Like, I, it's I love doing this show because you find the numbers, and it's tough when you try to. Find, I tried it my hardest to find twenty guys with a better opportunity this, this week, and then I started digging deeper into the numbers, and I'm like, look, he's facing the Cowboys. They're giving up five point zero nine yards per carry, and the fourth most touchdowns with thirteen. So after scoring four touchdowns in week six, through eight, Geo hasn't found the end zone. But this probably. Is the game that began? Is he in and out for you, Dave? And got, cutting a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six cutting eight, out a little God. bit here. Geo Hold is on. Hard.
0: No. It's
2: Corey's fault, man. Cor- so he's Corey jinxed him. <laughs> got to be at least a flex. Corey
0: jinxed him? Oh,
2: that,
1: man. That sounded ugly to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it did sound ugly because we couldn't understand you. Oh, man. You're in and out with your voice, bro. It's it's uh it's fading again. Not
2: even kidding you. All right, Dave. So how are you feeling over there about Giovanni Bernard? <laughs> well, like Juan just said, I mean, I was kind of uh, surprised too, and I started looking at these numbers a little bit. Um,
1: Samaj P Ryan has been cutting into you know, Giovanni Bernard. He one hundred percent did. <laughs> oh God! Am I back or am I still cutting out? <laughs> this is the worst. this. There's,
2: there's somewhat,
1: but I um, but I was
2: talking about. <laughs> oh man all right uh but uh yeah i mean something that surprised me was that samaj P. ryan has seen at least 30 percent of the team snaps in two of the three weeks so uh you know i expected giovanni bernard to be the workhorse when joe mixon went down and that just hasn't happened and frankly giovanni bernard just hasn't been performing that well as a backup Um, In the six games that he's been the starter, he's averaging 10.8 carries, (laughs) 34.8 yards, 3.3 receptions and 24.2 yards with three total touchdowns. So you do the math, you break that down and averages out to an abysmal 3.2 yards per carry and half a touchdown per game. Um, Luckily for Geo, though, you know, Dallas has been awful at stopping the run. They gave up almost 300 yards to Baltimore on Tuesday. Um, They widened the gap. They're now the league's worst run defense uh by almost 20 more yards than the next closest. But uh because of Bernard's struggles, I'm ranking him as a low end RB2 even with this dream matchup. Uh I think he's got to be started in all 10 team leagues this week as a good flex play. Uh next week though I'm benching him against Pittsburgh and then assuming Mixon is still out in week sixteen. He's got the second worst defense coming up the Texans. So this can kind of be a good indicator of what to expect when Giovanni Bernard gets the start against a bad defense.
0: Yeah, I mean the Bengals are just uh, you know a charity case at this point. They lost to the Dolphins, you know, last week who actually moved to eight and four. Um, or I'm sorry, yeah, the wait, yeah, the Bengals lost to the Dolphins last week. So the Dolphins now they got to face up against the Chiefs this week. And the Dolphins are actually allowing the second least amount of points on defense this year, which is somewhat baffling because the amount of plays that the chiefs run per game. You would think that they would get a little bit more opportunity over there, but the chiefs are always winning. So you think that you're going to see this constant, you know, uptick in production for teams against it, but their secondary has been dominant. Is there anybody on the chiefs offensive side that uh, you're actually worried about this week with the dolphins defense being dominating?
1: I hope I'm here and hope you guys can hear me. Yeah. We just got you on a little bit of no. a delay. All right, Dave. Go ahead. All right. Well, uh, the only one that I'd be a little bit worried about is, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Juan. I think we heard you. Go ahead. Yeah, we got you, man. Yeah, if you're he- if you're hearing me, uh, Travis Kelsey is the only one with a tough matchup. The Dolphins are allowing the fifth fewest p- points to the tight end position. They are giving up the twelfth uh, fewest or less to everybody else that they're playing against. Thank you for having me back. I'm glad I'm back. And I like whoever lines up in the slot, Nelson Aghbani, because he's been suspect this year and he's been somebody that I would target and I would go all right, hold on
0: we might have to move on from from you for a minute you might have to go reset your uh your router or something see what happened all right so let's go ahead I'll, Dave let's go ahead and kick off your side of things real quick
2: yeah so as far as who I'm worried about on this I mean At this point, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, those guys are absolutely matchup proof. It doesn't matter if they're going up against the 85 Bears. You're still starting them every single week. Um, It's the guys after that that I start to worry about a little bit in this matchup. Uh, The Dolphins smothering defense has a lot to do with their blitz rate this year. They're blitzing on 41.1% of their defensive plays, which is the second highest rate in the league behind just the Ravens. Now, when perceiving blitz pressure, good quarterbacks like Mahomes are going to show throw short passes into the blitz. So that should open up some opportunities for Demarcus Robinson, who plays out of the slot a lot, and should also open up some opportunities for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell to leak out of the backfield. Now, I wouldn't expect much from Nicole Hardman or Sammy Watkins in this game because the Dolphins are ranked in the bottom half of explosive plays, and that's where those guys really get going. So, obviously, you're firing up Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, like I mentioned. Uh, CEH is also somebody you could start with confidence, and because of uh, the high blitz rate, I think that Robinson could actually do some work in the slot this week as well.
0: I actually really like CEH this week, and I actually faded Mahomes on a uh, a show I did earlier in this week because Mahomes is somebody that, you know – he's always going to have the high level efficiency and he's always going to get the touchdowns and whatnot, but um, sit there and expect him to actually throw for, you know, 300 plus yards this week. I don't think is reasonable. This Dolphins defense is mean, like you said, they prevent the big plays. This is going to be the real test. You know, this is going to be the real test to see if the Dolphins are actually who, you know, we think they are, but it's, it's something as to where I'm actually gonna be fading Mahomes a little bit here. Now when we talk about the, the dominance, right. That the chiefs defense has had. We saw drew Lockett picked off twice last week. That puts him at 13 Mm -hmm. interceptions over the last seven games. And the way that he's being utilized is killing me. It is absolutely killing me the way that that Drew Locke is getting utilized. I mean, this guy is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the NFL, right? I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, here, actually, I want you to take a guess, okay? I want you to take a guess. How many quarterbacks ran a faster 40 time than Drew Locke?
2: Um, I'm going to go with uh,
0: two. No, it's a little bit more than that. I probably preface that. I probably should have asked you all the right, question right.
2: prior to. Well, I'm sure Cam outdid him, but that was 10 years ago. So Cam did. Yeah. Cam did. Uh, Lamar, Kyler. Lamar did uh, Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know who else is above him then. So we got Watson. We've got Cam Newton. We got Jalen Hurts by
0: point. Yeah, by one-tenth of wow. a second. Watson was uh, 0.03 tenths of a second. Herbert was 0.01 tenths of a second. Uh, Wilson was faster and then the fastest quarterback in the NFL right now. I want you to guess the fastest starting quarterback in the NFL in terms of 40 times.
2: Daniel Jones.
0: Nope. Hey, can, can we get it in the comments too? Who do you guys think ran in the fastest 40 time out of any starting quarterback right now in the NFL? I want to see it in the comments. I'm about to announce it, but I will say that there was one quarterback that tied with him in the 40 time. He's from the AFC West. You want me to keep going? I can keep giving you hints. You wouldn't think that he would be one of the is fastest Russ? quarterbacks. Russ? It not, nope, it is not. Russell or, Wilson not, was faster than man. West. He was one of the guys, but he's not the fastest quarterback in the NFL. I did not name that player, by the way. But, yeah, no, it's not Russ. It's not something that you would expect. It's not Patrick Mahomes. AFC West, by the way. The I'm waving AFC. the towel. I don't he's know. He's tied with Derek Carr. He's tied with Derek Carr. Uh, Get out of time. here. But the fastest starting quarterback in the NFL – is actually Taysom Hill right now.
2: <laughs> wow. All right. I didn't know we were looking at tight ends. I thought we were talking quarterbacks
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is the fastest starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but, anyways, no, the way they're using um, you know, Drew Locke over there, not allowing him to scramble, it's actually shocking because Shermer is the quarterback, is the, is the head or the offensive coordinator over there. And with him being the offensive coordinator, we've seen his quarterbacks finish in like the top 10 of rushing almost every single year that he's either been a head coach or an offensive coordinator. So, I mean, it goes all the way back to uh, David Gerrard, right? Or Gerard? Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy. Meanwhile, hmm. with Drew Locke, like I, I'm trying to figure out if he has any fantasy relevance, you know, at this point, his receivers are fourth in yards of separation per target, but he just can't seem to hit them on a regular basis. So how are you feeling about Drew Locke? Does he have any kind of fantasy relevance dynasty? Like where, where can we find some fantasy relevance from him?
2: It's frustrating because when you watch him, he passes the eye test and then you look at his numbers and they just aren't there. And you mentioned it, you know, he's got 13 interceptions in his last seven games. So um, I don't think that he's got any relevance in fantasy for the rest of this year. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos draft a quarterback early next year. Um, Locke has missed three games this year and he's still second in interceptions behind Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz already lost his starting job. Um, he's also seventh in yards per game. Or I'm, I'm sorry, seventh worse in yards per game. He's only ahead of Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, and Andy Dalton. So I don't think he's really the future of this franchise. Uh, his liability as an interception thrower, pushes him completely off the fantasy radar. I mean, if you're in some like 16 team super flex league, maybe you can find some more to work him. But uh, I think that next year we're going to see either Trey Lance or Kyle Trask land in Denver uh, with what should be a top 10 pick for them.
0: So, yeah, I I can't sit there and argue with you. It's just, it's something I swear. Like I, I don't even like Locke, but just seeing his ability, like his, you know, raw talent, I just hope that he ends up going somewhere where he could see, you know, a starting job eventually. You know, it's something where I I would hate to see them draft him and him just go to waste because he does have that raw athletic ability. Now the guy's immature. He's not right in the head. You know, he has a lot of learning to do. So he knows he needs to go sit behind a veteran for a few years, but I think that he could be a starting caliber quarterback eventually just not quite yet. I agree. That's what Denver was trying to do with Joe Flacco. Just didn't work out because Joe Flacco uh, broke his (laughs) neck or his back or his something (laughs) else or his crack. I don't know. All right. So guys, we do have questions coming up, um, but we are going to cover a lot of these guys that y'all are asking about. We obviously already covered CEH. Uh, We also have uh, Cam Akers coming up here as well. So just stay tuned guys. If you all have not heard your player yet, but When we talk about the Broncos, right? The Broncos get the Panthers this week. And this time, you know, it's something as to where Christian McCaffrey, he's not going to come back for this week. Is this something where, like, the Panthers might end up, you know, rolling out with Mike Davis or, or, you know, what's going on? Like, what's the rushing upside for this Panthers team or what's the upside? Because this whole team's a mess. The whole team has, like, COVID right now. Like, I'm just trying to figure out where I should play. Meanwhile, keep in mind that the Denver secondary is completely torn up. So do they even need a running back this week? Or do you think it's going to be a pass happy game?
2: Well, I had this big write up written up about how, um, you know, Chris McCaffrey wasn't going to come back to a full workload because they played themselves out of the playoffs already, that they've tried rushing him back early, gave him a full workload, and he re-injured himself. Uh, And then about two hours before he started filming the show, Matt Rule came out and said that he's probably not going to play at all this week. So um, in this matchup, you can expect to see what we've been seeing so far. Mike Davis with the starting duties. But uh, Curtis Samuel, he's that guy that's got sneaky upside right now. They've been using him as that utility player that they're just plugging in all over the field. So um, if you're looking for a deeper pull than Mike Davis in this one, Curtis Samuel is a guy that's getting a decent amount of touches out of the backfield. You can plug him in as your wide receiver spot. And um, what, is, what does he have on the year? I think he's got seven or eight touchdowns already. I mean, he's been a touchdown machine. He also might have COVID. He's on the list as well. <laughs> Did not um, know that. Yeah, I'm shooting from the hip on this one because, like I said, yeah. I was going to talk about McCaffrey. and, uh, and so then I said like uh, half uh, this great. team
0: is, it has like COVID right now. So, well, he's close contact. I um, mean, you know, he, he needs five days to you know test negative. So we got to see what happens with that. But I mean, this could be a Robbie Anderson type game, especially like I said, with this poor secondary. I mean, almost every single person on the Denver secondary is hurt. And that's also why I kind of like, I kind of kind of like Drew Locke this week to an extent. All right, so let's hop off this Panthers and um, yeah, this Panthers game, Panthers and Broncos. And let's talk about the, where were we? Let's talk about, Oh, let's talk about the team where they had the heartbreaking loss to at the Vikings. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about. The Vikings, uh, they're going for a playoff spot right now. They really are. I mean, the NFC, the back tail end of the NFC is horrible. And it's something as to where we're seeing a major competition. It could actually be a playoff matchup, you know, coming, uh, you know, in January. If, if this ends up being a game that is competitive, Right? Because you can't run by the way, you can't run on Tampa Bay. So the secret weapon of Dalvin Cook isn't, you know, gonna be as functional as, you know, most of us would hope. Like, what's going on with Adam Thielen? What's going on with Justin Jefferson? Are these two guys that we can rely on, you know, being starters this week? And, you know, which one do you actually prefer?
2: Yeah, this is a, this is a rough week for anybody that has Dalvin Cook and didn't get a first round bye because you said it, you can't run the ball on Tampa. I mean, I think it's been like eighty something games since the last time they've allowed a hundred yard rusher, and they're not gonna be able to stop Dalvin Cook. Um, what I was looking at a little bit in this one was the, uh, comparison between Justin Jefferson and Thielen. Uh, you know, I wanted to see who the better guy was recently and Thielen's averaging 16 points per game. Justin Jefferson's averaging 14.9. So on the surface, you might think that Thielen is the better play of the two, but I dove a little bit deeper into this. And I think that Jefferson is actually the pass catcher that you want to have on your fantasy team. Um, Jefferson's big breakout. Game came in week three. That's when he hauled in seven catches for 175 yards and a touchdown. Prior to that game, he had only seen six total targets. So what I did was look from week three on to see how the numbers break down. Uh, Justin Jefferson, 5.6 receptions per game, 96.9 yards per game and seven total touchdowns. Adam Thielen is only seen 5.3 receptions for 64 yards uh, and 10 total touchdowns. So Thielen right now is leading in touchdowns, but Jefferson's big play ability makes him the wide receiver one for me on this team. He's seen more targets. He's seen more receptions and he's putting in more yards with that. Uh, so right now I'd, I'd have to say that Justin Jefferson is the guy that you want on this team.
0: Makes perfect sense. I mean, like, you know, Juan wanted to bring up, he was pretty much one air one B. So I know it's kind of like a boomer matchup type, you know, situation this week, but yeah, I kind of like Jefferson to, to take it to the house uh, up against Carlton Davis. Now, if we're sitting there, we're looking at the opposite side of the ball with the Buccaneers. Where are we putting Tom Brady this week? Is he like a lock for quarterback one performance? What do you expect?
2: Yeah, I I think he's a lock for uh, a QB one. Again, we haven't seen Tom Brady in that QB one department for a while. I think a lot of people kept ranking him there just because of his previous success. But uh, he is officially 100 percent a QB one. Again, we're seeing pretty much exactly what we expected with Brady on an Arians led team. His yards, touchdowns and interceptions are all up. He's passing for 275 yards a game, which is his most since 2017. His touchdown rate of 5.9% is the most since 2016. Um, unfortunately his interception rate at 2.3% is also the highest since 2005. So you got to go back 15 years to see a time he's been throwing this many picks, but, uh, his passing attempts per game, air yards, attempts per game, completion rate, they're all up. So a lot of that talk about Brady being washed over the last few years was because the Patriots were running a pretty watered down offense that was just focusing on quick, easy throws to running backs. Um, this offense and is it out a bit more and slot receivers. Yeah. He wasn't taking any shots downfield. And um, now at age 43, he's showing that he's still got an arm and he's using it. Um, Juan was going to talk a little about a little bit about his soft schedule going forward, but yeah, um, yeah you know, he's got a cake schedule coming up. He plays the lions. Um, he plays the Falcons. And I, I think from here on out for the rest of the season, you got to consider him a QB one.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting there looking at the fact that he's number four in completed air yards and a yards per attempt. So, you know, I like his, his potential here. Uh, and Minnesota, by the way, has gotten a lot tougher up against the running backs as of late, you know, they started out a little bit soft, but after they moved on from, was in N'Gakwe, they, they become a lot more, I guess, resilient up front. So I want your take on this running back situation because you're looking solely at snap count Fournette looks to be the guy. However, Ronald Jones is actually their leading fantasy producer, like, you know, what are we going to look at moving forward? Who is going to be that dude?
2: Yeah, this is, this is really tough for me because I was a Fournette truther from the second that trade went through. I was telling everyone get rid of your Rojo shares. It's Fournette's team. It's Fournette's backfield. I was shouting it from the mountaintops that he was the running back to have on that backfield. My thought process was pretty simple. If Ronald Jones couldn't keep Peyton Barber at bay last year, there's no way that he was going to be able to ward off Fournette this year. Well, Fournette got his opportunity early in the season, but Ronald Jones is just outperforming him in almost every single metric. Ronald Jones is averaging 5.1 yards per carry this season. Fortnite is averaging 3.9. Um, when you look at the snap count, it can be a little bit deceiving because Fournette's getting a lot of that cleanup work at the end of games. Um, But Jones is getting the ball when the defense expects it and he's still looking better than Fournette. Uh, Fournette's a better pass protector and I think that's why he sees a higher snap count because when they go into hurry up mode, when they go into third downs, Fournette comes out. But Rojo's the one getting those first and second down touches when the defense expects it and he's still crushing them. So when it comes to fantasy, Ronald Jones is 100% the guy to own and Fournette is really nothing but a handcuff at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do want to bring up what Juan actually wrote in the show notes, and he's actually 10 in true yards per carry. 10th, that's Rojo. Uh, Fournette is number 58. So that could be directly correlated to him being 6th in created yards and created yards per touch, while Fournette is 47th. At least wow. every game, every game that Jones has seen at least 51.3% of the snaps, he has rushed for no less than 121 yards. He has six breakout ones on the runs on the year, right? Dude, you got That's Ali insane. Mar. That's insane. That's great research by Juan. Um, Ali Marpet's coming back. You know, look for the Bucs to actually get their, their offensive line back on track. Who, by the way, is currently sitting at number 25 in run blocking efficiency. So we can see a huge uptick in the production and the yards created by the offensive line. So, you know, when we sit there, I love to see this. His,
2: I, 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 was, I was calling Ronald Jones a bust during his rookie year. And I mean, he's just proven everybody wrong right now. It's, it's pretty awesome to see.
0: Uh, He really is, to be honest with you. Like I I didn't like Ronald Jones, but I didn't hate him. Like he was just like kind of meh for me. Very similar, like David Montgomery-esque. Like you know, I I like him. I just I don't hate him. I just want to see a better situation type thing. And this is exactly why, is because I always thought that you know they were going to need a better pass blocker in their own passing down situations, and he just needs a bigger workload. But he is performing on the ground. So when we sit there, we look at his his performance on the ground. There's only three running backs who have more yards than Ronald Jones so far this year. We've got Derrick Henry. We've got Dalvin Cook. And we got, drum roll please, James Robinson. Yes, James Robinson, baby. Is it time to consider James Robinson a top three running back in fantasy this year?
2: I feel like I've got to preface this by saying that I absolutely love James Robinson because what I'm going to say next isn't very nice, but I do love James Robinson. I love watching him play. I think this kid just has so much talent. Um, he's in a great situation and I think that he's a top five fantasy running back in all redraft leagues for this year. And assuming they don't draft anybody, he's going to be a top five fantasy running back next year. Uh, I caught some heat for making this comparison on Twitter last week, but this situation just reminds me so much of Jordan Howard in 2016. The Bears had a lot of talent on their offensive line, but they didn't have any quarterback play they were midway through this rebuild and they used a fresh running back with little draft capital tied to him. And they just absolutely ran him into the ground for two years straight. When you look at their respective numbers, Howard was seeing 20.1 touches per game, 107.4 yards per game, and 5.2 yards per attempt over his first two years. Uh this year, James Robinson has seen 21.9 touches, 106.4 yards per game, and 4.6 yards per attempt. So they're almost identical in their in their um consistency. Howard played with Jay Cutler, Matt Barkley, Mike Glennon, Mitch Trubisky over his first two years, and they just relentlessly fed him the rock. And right now you're seeing James Robinson playing with this carousel of Minshew and Luton and Glennon, and they're just relentlessly feeding him the rock. So I expect Robinson to finish on a high note this year because there's nobody else there chomping at his heels. So it's going to take, a, take carries away from him, but I don't think that he has a lot of long-term value. Um, I think that the Jags, they're going through this rebuild right now. They're going to bolster up their QB pay, play. And then after that, they're likely going to spend some draft capital on a running back, similar to what the Bears did with David Montgomery. So I think you got to ride the hot hand right now through the end of the season. Assuming they don't draft somebody, you still go after him next year. But in Dynasty, um, I don't like putting him ahead of guys like DeAndre Swift or, or, you know, J.K. Dobbins or anything like that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, he is like, he reminds me so much of Alfred Morris. It's not even funny. He's a little bit better pass catcher. Um yeah. But uh, honestly, like I'm sitting there and I don't, did I talk about this last week? I talked about this on one of the shows that I was on. Um, they are almost like just identical when it comes to the way that they are they're run, you know, their run style 100% when he was with Washington. Now, Alfred Morris obviously had a little bit of an advantage over there in Washington because he had RG3 who could free up the linebackers, but if Alfred Morris was sitting there with the same exact, you know, quarterback play, he would probably be putting up almost identical numbers to James Robinson. I feel like they're very, very similar with their play style. Now, Juan wanted me to relay this on because unfortunately he's he wasn't here, but uh, he's not like, We sit there, we look at it. He's put up seven, or he's put up uh, yeah seven top ten performances, including five in the top five. Wow. So. Yeah, when it sits when he sits at number three in both carries and yards, he's a guy that I absolutely uh, you know want to keep in my lineups. So there's no reason to fade James Robinson, but in Dynasty, yeah, I can understand why you don't want like him. Now, when it comes to uh, Jordan Howard, right, who you just compared him to, uh, he returns from IR uh, this past week and he logged 18 percent of snaps over there for the Eagles, correct? So, do we want to see that number go up? Like who? Is Miles Sanders handcuffed? And does Jordan Howard present a red zone threat to Miles Sanders now? Is there now another twist to this Miles Sanders saga?
2: Yeah, it's kind of weird because now you're throwing a running quarterback in the mix too. So you've got Boston Scott, you've got a healthy Jordan Howard, you got Miles Sanders, and you've got Jalen Hurts with his rushing ability. Um, but I'm hoping that with Jalen Hurts taking over, Miles Sanders will start to offer a little bit more value. Uh, we know that he struggled with injuries last season, but his efficiency numbers are actually up from last year so he's averaging a whopping 5.3 yards per carry this year and although he's only seen about 70 rushing yards per game he's doing that on just 13 attempts per game so this kind of feels like an aaron jones situation where sanders is undoubtedly the best at his position on the team but the coaches just want to keep it as a committee and keep everybody coming in fresh so um it seems like boston scott has passed up jordan howard on the depth chart Uh, howard saw 24 percent of the team snaps last week uh, and just eighteen percent in uh in the other game that he played this year. Meanwhile, Boston Scott has seen twenty six percent of the team snaps in each game since Miles Sanders has returned. So uh when we're talking about who the Miles Sanders handcuff is, I think that it's Boston Scott at this point and Jordan Howard, he's just gonna be that, you know, Thorn in your side, Vulture in touchdowns, taking some touches here and there, but I don't think that he's anybody really worth owning any fantasy leagues.
0: It's becoming a nightmare. It's becoming a nightmare. And the scariest thing is the fact that I love Miles Sanders, man. Like I loved him. He was a first round draft pick for me. I had him over Josh Jacobs by one slot. And the, the thing was, was we needed receptions to happen for Miles Sanders. We needed receptions and that's not happening. And now it might even happen less. So, you know, because primarily because of the quarterback now, Jalen Hurts, Is this something as to where Miles Sanders, you know, falls off while Jalen Hurts actually succeeds? Like, you know, what are the expectations over there for Hurts? Because I think a lot of people want to know what the numbers tell you.
2: Yeah. So going up against the Saints for your first NFL start is no easy task for anybody. Um, And I don't expect Hurts to offer a ton of fantasy value for the remainder of the season. Uh, What I think he does do, though, is put Jalen Ragor back on the map. Yet again for the season. So Rager was uh, targeted heavily when Hertz came in last week. I couldn't find the exact one, but if you watch the game, you just saw it hurt. You know, Rager wasn't really a part of the offense. And then Hertz came in and just started gunning it at him. So I think Philly fans have got to love to see that first and second round pick connection. Um, all that being said, if you've got room to spare, I think the Jalen Hertz, Hertz is worth a pickup um let's say he catches fire somehow starts looking like michael dick 2.0 out there the next few weeks i'd rather be on my bench than in my opponent's starting lineup so i wouldn't feel comfortable starting him this week but i think that he's worth a solid pickup just in case he can put it together as for the cold hard numbers that go into that it's kind of tough because we've only seen him play half a game so far but um the one thing that really popped out to me when watching that game was how much he loved jalen rager
0: Yeah, it's just tough because the Saints have only allowed 68 rushing yards on 20 carries to the quarterback, so I think he's going to have to pass. And I think that Jalen Rager is a smart start. But if Jalen Rager actually gets to face up against Janoris Jenkins, that scares the living hell out of me. I don't like that. something I don't like. It's a tough one. Now, we talk about the Eagles, right? They're still hoping to sneak into the NFC East championship. I mean, that's just what they do, right? This whole NFC East is just a mess. (laughs) But their opponent this week, like we said, the Saints – um, is looking at a first round buy. So with Taysom Hill, 3-0, right, as the starter, and Drew Brees unlikely to play this week, is it possible that the Saints should stick with Hill throughout the end of the regular season and, hey, maybe even in the playoffs? What are we looking at?
2: I kind of hated writing this question because I feel like this is exactly what we heard last year when Teddy Bridgewater came in. But um, I feel like this is definitely something worth keeping an eye on. Uh, it feels similar to what we saw last year with Teddy Bridgewater, but at the same time, it feels a little bit different. Uh, Bridgewater was averaging 228 yards with a 92 touchdown to interception ratio. He won five straight games before he had to give the reins back to Drew Brees. And from that point on, you, we know what we did. You know, Drew Brees went 6-2 and two to close out the regular season, first round loss to the Vikings. Now. Um, A lot of people said that the decision to go back to Breeze was because it was in his final year and they didn't want to disrespect him. Uh, Well, you know, if he comes back this year and that same storyline exists, it can get kind of weird. Hill's guaranteed $16 million over the next two years and he's winning. So if Breeze is unable to suit up over the next two weeks and Taysom Hill can lead the Saints to victory this week, and then if they can do it again week 15 against the Chiefs, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Breeze is actually sitting on the bench and backing Hill up for the rest of the season. No, I, I mean, I mean they would put him at five straight wins, including a huge one over the Chiefs.
0: Dude, it's it's just weird, man. It's just a weird situation over there. And it's something to where, like, dude, I don't see why they would take him out if they keep on winning like that. So this is actually, you know, when we talk about quarterbacks, we have Daniel Jones expect to be back this week. Last week, we're sitting there. We're popping Wayne Goldman. We're popping, you know, all sorts of players. Daniel Jones. It turns out that Alfred Morris, which is weird because it's the second time his name (laughs) has come up in this podcast. uh, He ended up being the top guy in fantasy. And we saw that happen when he was with the Cowboys. I believe he was with the 49ers, right? He popped off a few weeks. I mean, dude, it's like it's a weird freaking thing that happens all the time. And when Alfred Morris is in there and he's hot, dude, he does well. And it's so weird that he cannot find a stable home inside the NFL. That's where they want to keep him as the primary backup. It blows my mind.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's kind of bizarre to see. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't even know Alfred Morris was still in the league until I saw him out of the field last week. He's not. Um, he gets kicked
0: out of the league and he gets <laughs> invited back in. He ends up having 100-yard performances and two touchdown performances, yeah. and then nobody wants him. It is the weirdest thing ever. I, I think he I could probably scored. drive in the same car that he had back in high school. <laughs> did you see that? I did. did you know that I thing? did.
2: Yeah, like no, that's I, crazy it was it was kind of bizarre I, I seriously I could have swore it's uh what, are, what do they call that the Mandela effect where you think you saw something that never happened I could have <laughs> swore that I saw him give a retirement speech last year but I guess I just made that up in my head um and he and I do the 49ers I don't even remember if he played for the 49ers actually I just know that
0: there was like three or four teams that he went out with
2: yeah he, he was on the Cowboys for a while where he had yeah, this like five week stretch where he was just crushing it on the Cowboys and that's just kind of been his mo his whole career um you know Juan was going to go on to say that he kind of thinks this is still Goldman's back field. And I, I agree with him. Um, we pointed out that um, the, the, the big thing that jumped out to me was that Alfred Morris only saw 20% of the team snaps. And one of those touchdowns came after Gallman had ran down the field and what was it? A 65 yard or something like that. He was gas. And then they plugged Morris in, and he punched in the touchdown. Um, last week though, Gallman ran for 135 yards. And that was actually the best game of the season for him. Uh, he averaged an insane 8.44 yards per carry So um, we didn't know who was going to take over, whether it was going to be Deion Lewis, Devonta Freeman, Gallman. Now we got Morris in the mix. But uh, really, Gallman is the closest thing you could see to a bell cow right now. Uh, He's obviously no Saquon Barkley, but he is putting up legitimate RB2 numbers behind this offensive line, which is pretty impressive. If you ever thought it was Freeman, you don't listen to my show.
0: All right. <laughs> no, it is, it's <laughs> something as to where like Gallman is the guy. Uh, you know, I love Alfred Morris. You know, I lo- always loved him. I actually have his jersey and it's one of the jerseys that I rarely wear because I do like his jersey that much. But when we talk about like That's the Giants. One, man. What's up? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's actually a Pro Bowl <laughs> one too. It's a Pro Bowl one. The green and nice. the gray. Sick. <laughs> so the Giants opponent this week, right? The Cardinals. They got off to a hot start this season. <laughs> But they're losing three straight. One of the biggest changes we've seen so far is the utilization of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, the offseason where he was at the Cardinals was spread out the ball too much, making, you know, in order to make Hopkins a wide receiver one. But I don't I don't really know what's happening now. I feel like that's actually happening, although, you know, in the start of the season, that was not the case. Is he still a wide receiver one stud, or do you think about benching him up against Bradbury this week? Because Bradbury's been tough, man.
2: Well, I think benching him would be kind of crazy. I also saw that he just popped up on the injury report with a neck and back injury though, yep. which is definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Um yep. But, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like we talk about James Bradbury almost every single week on this show because he's always matching up against somebody, and we got to talk about him for good reason because he's been shutting opponents down almost every single week. Um, so, no, I don't think that you benched DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, last week's game was kind of funny because Hopkins had zero catches heading into halftime, and you could see him. He was visu- visibly frustrated on the sidelines. He was chomping on his mouth guard. He was, you know, clenching his jaw. He must have said something in the locker room during halftime because Murray came out, feeding him in the third quarter even against jalen ramsey hopkins hauled in eight of 13 targets for 52 yards and a touchdown just in the second half so he's still seeing seven plus targets in each of his last four games but i think that kyler's shoulder injury is actually starting to come into play a little bit with hopkins ceiling after averaging 12.8 yards per reception to start the season hopkins is only seeing 8.8 yards per reception since Murray injured his shoulder in that game against the Rams. So I think that might be a bigger factor in this than anything else is that he's not running those deep routes anymore. He's just running, you know, five, 10 yard outs and he's trying to get those easy throws from Kyler.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's something as to where, yeah, I think it was more the play calling than it was the actual, you know, I guess, uh, uh, you know, Kyler refusing to throw in the ball type thing, you know, obviously with the only 52 yards on eight, eight receptions, like, you know, that had to be a bunch of screens, you
2: know, a bunch of slants, etc. So, yeah, I mean, no, when, when, when you look at his route tree from that game, almost everything was a five to ten yard out. He would go up five yards out, cut to okay. the sideline, ten yards cut to the sideline. That was all he did in the entire game. And it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I don't know why they're they're really limiting his route tree. They're not letting him get downfield anymore.
0: Well, you know, when it comes to this, right, and actually looking like towards the future, I'm not sold that he's always going to be a wide receiver one, but he always has that floor. Like, no matter what, he always has that floor. And although it's going to be tough up against Bradbury, I think that he could still make it happen. What I don't like with the, with the Cardinals is they don't motion guys at all. They get up to the line of scrimmage and they, they snap it right away. They try and have the fastest pace of any team in the NFL. And that means that there's no motions, right? There's nobody that, that there's no deceit. It's just straight up who you're looking at. And up against Bradbury, like, I don't know if I like that or not. I' still going to be playing him. He's not a bench, but I just need to keep an eye on that moving forward for my teams. All right, so let's go ahead and let's talk yeah, about. The, you
2: put Mo- DeAndre Hopkins in motion, and
0: they, they don't they don't use sorry them in motion. go ahead they don't use them in motion. They don't like they don't they don't motion anybody. Right. They just literally get up to the line of scrimmage and they snap it right off the bat. So when yep. we sit there, and we look at the Cardinals and how far back behind they are in the NFC West. You know, it's it's not something as to where they can win this division, but. The Rams, right? The Rams might be able to. They gave Cam Akers 21 carries last week. And although they gave him these carries, he averaged like something around 3.5 yards per carry. Henderson actually almost outproduced him with only three carries and like two receptions or something along those lines. So, with this being the case, is Cam Akers actually the back to own in this backfield, or do you think it goes right back to a committee?
1: Well,
2: it's it's really tough to get a gauge on this. A few weeks ago, we were wondering if it was Daryl or Darryl Henderson's backfield. You know, it looked like he was going to yeah. run away with it. And Malcolm a few Brown. Weeks at the beginning Before of the season. that, we <laughs> thought it was going to be Malcolm Brown. <laughs>
1: yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So, like every few weeks, it's somebody different. Um, it's really tough to tell. But whoever gets the bulk of this carries or the bulk of the carries on this run heavy team is going to be a force every single week. But you might as well just throw a dart at a dartboard to figure out who it is. Um, one thing to point out, though, is the Rams are tied for the seventh most rushing attempts per game. So, um, what acres has going for him about these other guys is obviously draft capital. You know, they used a high draft pick to bring him in on like Henderson and Malcolm Brown, but really it hasn't been something where acres is, you know, eons ahead of these other guys. All the running backs have been pretty good on this team. Um, when you're looking at yards per carry, Brown is at the bottom of the list, uh, but he's still got 4.1 yards per carry. When you look at Henderson and Akers, they're at a dead tie with 4.5. So um, this week specifically, I do have Akers as my highest ranked running back in the Rams backfield. But even as the highest ranked in that backfield, he's still a risky RB3 because you don't know what McVay's going to do.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it is something where you have no idea. So speaking of tonight's game, Man, is it tough to know exactly what direction this is going to go in? They have what a forty three and a half or forty four and a half over under, which is very low. um they're not expecting Vegas is not expecting this to be a very high scoring game at all. It's going to be tough to to find points and when it comes to DFS, man, like the starting wide receivers and whatnot are actually like cheap as hell like they're they're literally the price of dart throws because guess what you can't pa- pass on the ramps so You know, the running back situation over there is it's just all over the place, man. It is all over the place when it comes to DFS. I did a whole show on it. I just released on the podcast. You guys can go to fantasyintervention.com, go to the podcast side of things and, and go listen to it real quick while you still have time. It's interesting for DFS fans. So do you have a hot take for tonight's game?
2: Yeah, I think my hot take, you know, Vegas has that over-under set really low for a reason. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot of defensive scoring tonight. I got the Rams defense putting up two scores. I don't know whether they're going to come from interceptions, whether they're going to come from fumbles, but this defense is clicking right now. They've looked hot for the last few weeks, and it wouldn't surprise me to see two defensive scores from the Rams tonight. We know how sloppy these Thursday night football games can get, and I think the Rams are just ready to run away with the division.
0: Could be two defensive scores on either side. I mean, honestly, like the way that that the New England Patriots are playing, and then Jared Goff over the past five or so weeks. I mean, he has four yeah. interceptions over the past three weeks, and what five? No, six, I believe, over the past. No, maybe it's three over the past four weeks. Either way, it, it's a like he's turning the ball over. It's ridiculous. Um, so you could see do the Patriots, the the Patriots
2: have two touchdowns. Do the Patriots have two touchdowns last week? I know they shut down Herbert. I think they scored twice on defense, didn't they? Or was did it they just have? the one? Six touchdowns or five? I don't. Remember. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I mean that was that was just a beatdown.
0: Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and my bold prediction for this is, let's see. See, I'm going to go with something random. I like Josh Reynolds a lot, but Josh Reynolds actually got out snapped by Van Jefferson, who I don't like. I don't like Van Jefferson, and he's up against really? J.C. Jackson, who I also really like. So I'm going completely contrarian on my take for my own personal opinion. And I'm going to say that Van Jefferson gets a touchdown tonight and Jared Goff throws for three and this game beats the over under by 13 points. Wow. I thought you were about to you write just that down. It looked like, that just, looked like you were about to pick up a pen and just start writing it down because it's so much.
2: <laughs> yeah, you crammed that one with hot takes. I like it. You got four or five in there.
0: <laughs> and let's see. All the Rams running backs, we'll, we'll go ahead and throw in something else. All the Rams running backs will score within uh, four points of each other. And that includes Malcolm Brown
2: and PPR. I agree with that one wholeheartedly. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be pretty spot on. I think that they're going to rush for about 150 yards total. And it's just going to be like, you know, 40, 40, 40 across the board. Well, I guess that wouldn't right. be 150, but close enough. <laughs>
0: What about, all right, I'm going to go with one that you can't get. James White is going to be the highest producing running back this week for the New England Patriots. Oh, I got mine. I got mine. Dalton Keene. Dalton Keene not only has the biggest play of the game, but also has the most receiving yards for for the Patriots side. I can't go for both sides, but for the Patriots side.
2: You you just Googled Patriots step chart and pulled that one out of your ass, didn't you? No, no, no.
0: I swear (laughs) to God, I'm huge on Dalton Keene this week. In fact, I want to know if Izzo's out. All right. I'm gonna look it up real quick. So try and distract uh, as I look up Izzo because Ryan Izzo was questionable, but he's been questionable, but this is a new issue. Oh, he got placed on IR! Yes, baby!
2: All right, Dalton Keene season, man, just for you.
0: Wait, oh shit. De- uh, Devin Asiasi actually got activated from IR. So that's I'm what not-
2: I was actually looking that's what I was looking up right now, because I oh, really God, like this Asiata.
0: Cluster fuck now. I might go Asiasi on this now. Damn it, I gotta rework everything.
2: Oh man, I gotta go,
0: guys. We gotta get out of here. I gotta oh. go rework my DFS. <laughs> Damn it! I love. Oslo. Got any questions
2: we want to answer before we hop off here? I know you got a couple <sighs> in while, while we were doing the show. We got a little time left over with not Hop Not.
0: Um, no, we pretty much I mean answered them off. we want to go through like AJ Brown or Cooper Cup, right. I like Cooper Cup. Um, in this one, AJ Brown still is a good matchup, but I'm going to take Cooper Cup in the slot. I know they'll try and take away Cooper Cup, but he's getting all the receptions close to the line of scrimmage. Oh, I got a fun fact for you. All right, so Cooper Cup has 11 receiving yards or 11 receiving plays of over 20 yards. How many of those All right. were short passes
2: or passes near the line of scrimmage? Out of 11, I, I'd say 10. I mean, he just takes those 10. slants and then just turns them straight upfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah that doesn't surprise me one bit. He doesn't All get right. downfield. He runs those slants and then he just flips his hips and turns it upfield immediately.
0: So he had, he had 11. Robert Woods had 10. How many of those were uh, passes that were air yards, were deep passes
2: out of the 10? I'm going to say um, out of Robert Woods. We're I'm done, Steffi. That...
0: God, we're literally just trying to fill time now just for the hell of it. Out of the, the 10 <laughs> right. deep passes of over 20 yards that Robert Woods has got, he's had Four. 10. Cooper Cup had 11. Four have been deep. Four Five. out of 10. Five, 50%. Ah, that was close. close. All right. Now, very between close. those two, one has 11, one has 10. Who has more touchdowns, and by how many of passes that went over twenty yards?
2: I think that uh, Robert Woods has more touches, and I'd say that he's got two more. Close, one more. Ah, all right. That's not good. too far off. Not too far off. These. That was good. Ready? We we start doing live trivia on air. We can make that a uh, Friday morning show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my
0: God. Well, how, how crazy is our group chat going right now? That's what I want to know. All right, guys, I appreciate you all for coming in. Dave, one more time, where can you find you?
2: Where can we find you? Yeah, hey, you can find me at uh, Fantasy Pros, where we're bringing you up-to-date news on all players, injuries, transactions, trades, whatever it may be. You can find me at the Pregame HQ, bringing you long-form articles. And most importantly, you can find me, Chase, Juan, all of us over at Join our Circle underscore, which is uh, who's bringing you the show tonight.
0: Dude, if you join our circle and you watch this show secretly, I hate you. All right, so we appreciate you guys for coming in. Oh, let's answer one more question. We'll answer one more. Jamal Williams or Damian Harris this week? Uh, Jamal Williams has a very advantageous matchup. I don't know how they're going to use Aaron Jones. Damian Harris, meanwhile, it's tough to run. It's tough to run. I hate both these options, to be honest with you. If you have a different option. But I think I'm going to go Jamal as well.
2: Same. Yeah, it's going to be about a 50-50 split. And you got Detroit who just made a... you know, David Montgomery looked like Barry Sanders 2.0. So, anybody running against Detroit is is on my start list for the rest of the season.
0: <laughs> I can't. All right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you for letting us interview with your fantasy football
1: life.
2: That's how you bang a podcast.